Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. again. Welcome to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this 11th of January 2021. Great hour ahead. Uh, Diana Groover is going to join me. We're going to talk about Companions in the Darkness. This is um, this is a really great book about how uh, the saints in Christ have struggled with depression and doubt and how uh, they make companions for us as we struggle with similar issues today. Uh, And then Dr. Junius Johnson is going to join me, um, and we're going to talk about the wisdom of possibility, how imagination can and needs to function alongside reason in terms of the way we think as Christians. Um, So fun fun conversations uh, this morning in this hour. Um, Let me visit this one topic because many of you have, uh, have asked about it. Um, yes, in fact, we have quite an explosive question uh, in front of us as members of a digital age, as tech giants have uh, exerted their power to silence a particular group of users, one user in uh, in particular. So first, Facebook shut down uh, Donald Trump's pages uh, and his campaign pages, and then Twitter shut down his personal account followed by Snapchat, Reddit, Twitch, and Spotify. Uh, he pivoted to Parler, uh, also pronounced Parlay by some. Uh, Google then removed the uh, apps available, that app's availability to its Android users. And then Apple uh, Web Services no longer supported the app for iPhone users. So um, just because Parler exists, if you can't access it, um, then you can't use it. And so you say, oh, well, no problem. People could simply access it through Parler's website. Well, yes, that was true until Amazon Web Services shut down the hosting of the social media platform website. It may take them, uh, organizers are saying, something like a week to um, relaunch the site on, uh, on another server. The Wall Street Journal is reporting this morning that financial technology service Stripe has also cut off uh, – Trump's ability to process credit card payments on his campaign website. So um, what was once conspiracy theory is now actually the lived experience of millions of people who can no longer access information uh, nor uh, the relationships that they had with one another because a handful of tech companies deemed what they were talking about dangerous or the fact that they were talking with each other dangerous, however you want to look at that. It, it is a bad day, in my view, for freedom of speech, and it reveals a great deal about the power that we have allowed to be vested in a handful of companies that literally now dominate communications. So, uh, you know, I rely on uh, on Twitter and Facebook uh, to communicate with others. I rely on Google to put this show together every day. Um, I rely right now on access to uh, uninterrupted access to the Internet to broadcast this program. Um, I, I 
I rely on digital technology in order to communicate with you um, through through the website, through um, through the app, and yes, even on air uh, through broadcast radio. Uh, it's now internet based, so it's um it's a challenge that we face. It's a conversation we must have, um, and it has become real. All right, next up, uh, Diana Groover, author of Companions in the Darkness. We're going to talk about the reality of depression. We're also going to talk about um, how saints throughout history have um, have dealt with depression and doubt. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Diana Groover, among other things. She is the author of Companions in the Darkness. You can find her online at Diana Groover, G-R-U-V-E-R, dianagroover.com. Diana, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks. It's so good to be with you this morning. Well, it's um, it's a delight to have you. This is a, a subject matter that um, lots of people deal with and maybe don't deal with as well as we might. So let's talk about the reality of depression, not only in the world today, but um, in the lives of Christians throughout throughout the ages. Yeah, as you said, it's something that I feel like we don't give quite enough uh, airtime to, uh, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's a conversation worth having. I was struck when I first encountered some of the stories and companions in the darkness. Why, why had I never heard them before? And how might my own personal experience with depression have been different if I had? Um, so that's part of what what wrote, drove me to write the book. And um, I'm glad I can talk about it with you this morning. So as soon as we um, read the subhead, uh, Companions in the Darkness is the title. And the subhead, Seven Saints Who Struggled with Depression and Doubt. Um, when I read that out loud uh, to a colleague, the immediate question was, um, is this a book for Catholics? Okay, when we use the word saints, we're doing so here in the same spirit uh, that the Bible uses the term saints, which is each and every person who is in Christ Jesus is a saint. So talk with us. Um, who are the seven saints who struggled with depression and doubt, uh, whose stories you um, you unpack in Companions in the Darkness? So the earliest one is Martin Luther, who I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of. He's the famous uh, Protestant reformer. Hannah Allen is next. Uh, She's a little more obscure. She's an everyday Christian, a mom and and a wife and a widow eventually, um, sharing about her experience with depression. David Brainerd was a a missionary to Native Americans in the 18th century in the United States. Um, William Cooper was a poet and a hymn writer and very good friends, in fact, with John Newton, who's the man who wrote Amazing Grace. Charles Spurgeon is the uh, a famous English preacher who was alive in 19th century England. Um, he, he has been his volumes of sermons are some of the most extensive of, of anyone that we have. Uh, Mother Teresa, I, I'm sure many people have heard of her work in Calcutta, and then the most recent person is Martin Luther King Jr., the uh, civil rights leader. Um, so, uh, first of all, I think that that list is, uh, it just in and of itself, is illuminating. Mm. For the fact that we know um, the storylines of these individual Christians and the fact that we know that they 
were challenged with depression and doubt should be confirmation to people who are listening right now who struggle with depression or who struggle with doubt that we are not alone. That That's one of the things that I just feel like you have um, you're offering in this book this in fact the title suggests that companions in the darkness the maybe the scariest part of being in depression in darkness um, and in doubt is that we feel alone yeah yeah I, I think that is one of the great gifts that they have to offer us um, knowing that you we are in good company when we are struggling in that way I think brings a strange source sort of comfort to us Another thing I think of is another one of the the feelings that we get when we're depressed is maybe this is it for me. Mm. Maybe maybe this is all there will be. And so to read some of the, you know, the greatest of the greats on this list, it also tells me not only am I not alone, uh, there's it's not a strange thing that's happening to me, but this will not be the end of my story. God can still use me even though I struggle with depression. And I think um, it's it's some of our heroes that have a, a unique way to to offer us that kind of hope. Yeah, well, I, I deeply appreciate that you are um, you're telling the stories of people of faith who have lived faithfully um, and who each of whom finished well. And that's an important part of this. Like there is a there's a finishing well aspect to each and every one of their stories. The book is Companions in the Darkness. The author is Diana Groover. You can find her at Diana Groover, G-R-U-V-E-R dot com. We're going to return to this conversation in just a moment. But yes, I have uh, copies of the book to give away. All you do is text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. If you are suffering with depression or doubt, um, if you would like to read about others, other Christians, Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., um, David Brainerd, William Cooper, Charles Spurgeon, Mother Teresa, um, Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King and Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Martin Luther. Yeah, Um, we got them all. Uh, And so we just want to encourage you to consider this book um, as a as a companion in your own conversations about the depression and doubt that you might be suffering. The book is Companions in the Darkness. We've got copies. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Diana and I will be right back. Continuing my conversation with Diana Groover about her book, Companions in the Darkness. Uh, We are talking about seven saints who struggled with depression and doubt, but we're also talking about each and every one of us as those who are in Christ who suffer episodic or sometimes chronic depression and doubt. Um, Diana, when you when you think about the reactions that you have um, experienced, people who have encountered the material, what's um what's something that maybe has surprised you? What's a what's one testimony that stands out in terms of how people have responded to what you've offered? I guess it's not a surprise, but it brings a lot of of comfort to my heart. I've heard stories from so many people saying. You know, I I feel like I've never had the words or the courage to share about my own experience with depression. And reading these stories, reading this book is giving me the courage to talk about it for the first time. Mm. And, And that is one of my deepest hopes for these stories is that they give us courage to admit that we're struggling and to get help. 
um, if if that's something that Companions in the Darkness can offer to people, it, um, that will be a, a very fulfilling end to this process for me. Talking about um, talking about depression and doubt in our own lives um, requires vulnerability. It requires there be a person who uh, who we can trust, to whom we can tell our story. I'm wondering, did any of these? Did you discover that any of these saints in the past? you know, resisted or had a hard time um, sharing that with others? Most of them know, which is surprising to us, I think, because uh, there's such a hesitation now to share about depression or other mental illnesses. And so it's shocking to see that many of them felt like they could freely share about it and, and reach out to their family and friends. The two that come to mind uh, who didn't share about it publicly, uh, Mother Teresa didn't share about her internal struggles. She's one that's a little bit more difficult to say whether she was depressed in in the clinical sense, but she did not share about her internal struggles with others, except for some very closest advisors. The other one is Martin Luther King Jr. He did not share publicly about his depression, uh, although he, he did share some of those feelings with his closest friends and aides and colleagues. And for him, I think that makes a lot of sense in his in his context um, as a black man in America in the 1960s, as a leader in the civil rights movement. It, he just I'm, I presume that he did not feel like he had the freedom to share about that publicly, which is a shame. Um, it's a shame that that was the case. Um, but he's the one in particular that he just didn't have the freedom to share. So one of the things that you very um, transparently do um, is share your own story. And as a as an encouragement to others, um, can I invite you to do that here as well? Absolutely. I first had a name for depression, for, for what I was feeling when I was a senior in college. I think it had started before then, not to the same uh, level of debilitation as as it was then. But that was the first time I, I had a word for it. And as anyone who has struggled with depression knows, it's not just that you walk around feeling sad. Um, it, it reaches its fingers into every part of your life. So life felt overwhelming. I didn't feel like I had the, the energy to, to engage with life. I felt numb and detached from people. Um, and, and it was a, a struggle to just get out of bed and, and keep doing what I needed to do. I had a friend who encouraged me to go to our, our counseling center at our school, which I'm grateful for, and I eventually went on medication. And I, after that particular season, after I got on more stable footing, I, I had another episode of depression while I was living abroad. Um, since then, it's not been quite as deep as it was then, but it's still a part of my life. It's still something I know I need to be very aware of. And sometimes I feel the pool again, and I need to practice good self-care and, and just be very much uh, in tune with where I am mentally and emotionally so that um, if the day comes that that, that darkness returns in earnest, um, I, I know where I need to go to get help. The book is Companions in the Darkness, Seven Saints Who Struggled with Depression and Doubt, um, and an eighth saint uh, with whom I am talking right now shares her testimony and story as well. Uh, Diana Groover is the 
is the author of Companions in the Darkness. We do have complimentary copies to give away thanks to InterVarsity Press. Um, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for one of those. Um, it is um, depression comes in seasons. I think people are sometimes surprised by that. I think they're surprised that it's not like a once and done thing. Even episodic depression, I mean, there's a reason we call it that, right? So this this seasons, this um, this the pool as you describe or the pull as you describe it, um, the darkness beckons. It's strange. It's very strange. It is. Yeah. And, and I think it, it can feel scary. I think mm-hmm. whenever you're on more stable footing to think, oh, I, I could return there again. I think um, others looking on sometimes can say, oh, well, you pulled yourself out of it once. Why can't you do it again? And, and that's just not the way that it works. Um, I'm thankful that that some of the people in in this book and Companions in the Darkness struggled with episodic depression. And and it was something that would come and go in in seasons and sometimes with cause, sometimes for a particular reason, and sometimes without, you know. And Charles Spurgeon in particular talked about that. He said that's one of the worst types of depression when it comes without cause and there's no reasoning with it. And to hear someone like him talk about it with that level of frankness um, gives me courage to know that that it's okay if that's my story as well. You know, I'm uh, I'm aware, Diana, just when I consider the the grief that exists in the world, the depth of depravity, the evil um, that people do to one another, the harm that we do to ourselves. I mean, there's there's good cause um, to grieve and. The shadows of the valley are, I mean, they're described that way in Scripture. It's shadowy. It's dark. Um, but we don't walk there alone. And so um, I, I just genuinely appreciate uh, how you have approached this conversation. Uh, the book is Companions in the Darkness. The author is Diana Groover. You can find her online at Diana Groover, G-R-U-V-E-R, uh, dot com. Uh, and I um, want to say thanks to, to InterVarsity for the complimentary copies that we have to give away today. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484 um, if you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies. Uh, Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your transparency. Um, thank you for your contribution to this very important conversation about depression and faith and faithfulness. It's, um, it, it's quite a gift. Oh, Thank you, Carmen. It's so good to be with you today. Well, it's lovely to have you. Uh, That's Diana Groover. Uh, You can follow her on Twitter at Diana Groover or online, dianagroover.com. We'll be right back. All right, John Stone Street is dealing there with um, really uh, an issue of serious concern to many of us who knew Ravi and certainly appreciate the ministry of RZIM and those who continue to uh, be engaged in that ministry. Uh, let us, as always, lift up prayers for victims of, uh, of abuse of every kind. Um, power has a corrupting influence, and, and we are just as human beings not designed to, uh, to bear the weight of the glory um, that many people seek to um, 
well, seek, and then find themselves unable to bear. And so um, let us pray for the victims of this particular abuse, and then let us pray for, uh, as as John Stone Street has encouraged us, for uh, Ravi's family, uh, his his friends, and the ministry of RZIM, which does continue and does really good work. So, uh, so it's just a great challenge. Junius Johnson joins me next. Um, we we talk with Junius on a fairly regular basis. He's the author of the Father of Lights. A Theology of Beauty. Um, We're going to talk today about the wisdom of possibility, the role of imagination alongside reason in helping us think rightly and righteously today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Licato. We ask God, where are you taking me? Where is the path? And he doesn't tell us. Oh, he may give us a hint or two, but that's all. If he did, would we understand Would we comprehend our location? No, we're unacquainted with this jungle. So rather than give us an answer, Jesus gives us a far greater gift. He gives us himself. Does he remove the jungle? No, the vegetation is still thick. Does he purge the predators? No, danger still lurks. Jesus doesn't give hope by changing the jungle. He restores our hope by giving us himself. And he has promised to stay until the very end. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We need that reminder. We all need that reminder. For all of us need hope. This is Max Lucado. Junius Johnson, he is a scholar, a writer, a musician, a speaker, a teacher, the author of several books. Uh, We have talked on prior occasions about his book, The Father of Lights, A Theology of Beauty. Um, He also offers courses um, for all of us, and you can find those at JuniusJohnson.com backslash courses. And he's got, he's teed one up called The Wisdom of Possibility, and he's keeping registration open to the end of the week for our listeners, which is a very, very um, gracious thing to do. Junius, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. Let's talk today about how we think and then the role of imagination alongside reason in in the way we should think or ought to think. Yeah, um, I think this is an important topic because so much of our the last couple of centuries of human history have been focused on the ascendancy of reason and what we can do with our minds and science and these sorts of things. And um, that's often come at the expense of this other really important part of ourselves that God created, which is our ability to imagine things. Um, I don't think that what we want to do is to say that, well, it was a mistake to think that reason was really important and we ought to use reason. Um, Rather, it's a mistake to think that reason stands on its own in some way, that it's not constantly in conversation with the imagination. And one of the ways I like to approach this is to think about, okay, just what is this faculty of imagination that we have? What has God placed into us and what's it there for? And the best way I've come up with to describe it is the imagination is the part of our mind that is concerned with the possible. It's, that's its province, is what's possible. Now, 
actual things are possible. And so we can use our imagination on things that are real, but also some things that not only are not actual, but are in fact impossible can still be dealt with by the imagination because the imagination looks at them as if they were possible. And so what's really important to me, I think, for the life of discipleship about this is that that means that we have this faculty in us that has the ability to keep us and keep our reason humble. Because every time we think that we've got things figured out, that we can see the boundaries of our world or the boundaries of reality, there's this part of us that looks beyond those boundaries and says, but wait, there's more. But look, there could be this. What about this? I, um, I think that for those of us who believe in the miraculous, mm. for those of us who believe in that Jesus rose from the dead, who believe that God took on uh, human flesh to dwell among us, that, you know, that Jesus was born of a virgin, um, we, we are possibly more open um, mm-hmm. to what you're talking about than those who have closed off the possibility of, um, of there being anything outside this system. So part of this is a closed, closed system or open system view of, of reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, one of the things that I think is one of the things that, that underscores a, if you will, almost a, um, a call in this time that we live in for the, for the imagination is that it seems to me that disciples of Christ are those who, above all, are well-suited for imagination precisely because we're the ones who don't take the world at face value. We don't take the world as we find it. We say, you know, I go out into my daily life and I don't see miracles, probably not because they aren't there, but just because I'm not attentive to them. I, I tend to think that I understand why that's happening. I miss even the miraculous aspect of very common things because I think I understand them, right? I know how rain works. And so I forget that it's amazing that water falls from the sky. Um, But even in the midst of that, the disciples of Christ are the ones who know that the world as we see it is not the world as it was meant to be and not the world as it is going to be when Christ returns. And so we're we're aware that we're caught in this in-between time, and we're always looking beyond what we can understand and what we can see towards what we've been promised. And I think the imagination is a key tool in helping us to bring those promises a little more, a little closer, to make them a little closer to home so that it's easier to rest in them and it's easier to take comfort from them. Expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with God all things are possible. Uh, I, yeah. That is one of my um, repetitive phrases. Uh, it's, it's one of my walk-offs. Um, mm. I, I, uh, I live where you are inviting us to live. Um, I am a mm. very reasonable person. And yet, uh, I see the essential role of imagination in understanding that what we are seeing or experiencing in the right now, in the immediate, is not is not all there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, I wonder, Junius, if we were to look back over the course of history, you know, when we talk about like people who survived certain horrific experiences, like those who survived. Mm-hmm. Um, or endured in in the midst of a, of a concentration camp, let's say. I wonder if mm-hmm. they they were holding out in their in their heart and mind the possibility of a future different than the one that they were experiencing in that moment, even though they were being mm-hmm. told every single day, "This is where you're going to die." Yeah, yeah. Well, and it must be makes me think also of the Christian martyrs, then, right? And mm. I, I I imagine this point where as you're undergoing the extreme pains of martyrdom, 
and you're looking forward to a, a kingdom not made by human hands, I think this is really cool. There's a point for the martyr, and we had this in some of the martyr accounts, where what they're imagining becomes real for them in their minds, where they, they actually exit this world in their minds and are lifted up by the grace of the Holy Spirit into a heavenly place such that they're able to endure the pain that they're being put under because they're, they're really being spared from it. Um, that they, make, they, they, they cross that boundary that normally separates the realm of the imagination from the realm that we live in. And I, I think that's a really beautiful image of what the, it's a sort of a microcosm of what the journey of discipleship can be like, that we're constantly holding before us by, in our imaginations that place to which we're called, which includes not just, you know, not just heaven, not just the kingdom that we're called to, but the person we're called to be, the particular citizen we're called to be in that kingdom, who God has made us to be. And as we hold that in front of us, we're traveling towards it, and we're slowly and continually crossing that threshold into that becoming not just possible, but actually real. I'm thinking, you know, when you when you say that, I'm thinking about the testimony of Stephen in Acts 7. I'm thinking about the testimony yeah. of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. Um, mm-hmm. they, they bear witness and testimony to exactly what you're talking about. There is a, there, there is a reality um, that those who are in the process of being martyred experience that is absolutely inexplicable by reason, by reason or human terms. It is, mm-hmm. it is, it's literally ecstatic. I mean, I, they're having an ecstatic experience and they're sharing um, the reality of that with us. Uh, we got to take a very brief break, Junius. Um, when we come back, let's talk about uh, Let's talk about the role of all of this in our everyday life, because, um, you know, I think that we all know the song, I Can Only Imagine, but mm-hmm. what you're saying is, I can actually do more than only imagine. I, I can mm-hmm. actually bring that reality that I know is secure in heaven, and I can bring it to bear in the here and now, and that changes things. So I want to talk with you about that. Uh, talking with Junius Johnson, you can find what we're talking about today at JuniusJohnson.com. He's offering a course called The Wisdom of Possibility, and he's holding registration open for our listeners through the end of this week. So uh, go check that out if this subject matter is of interest to you. How the imagination, what's the role of the imagination alongside reason in thinking rightly and righteously today? Uh, we'll be right back. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find Talking with Dr. Junius Johnson uh, about the wisdom of possibility. We're talking about the role of the imagination alongside reason. Um, and you can uh, sign up for the Wisdom of Possibility course at JuniusJohnson.com. Registration's open till this Friday. Um, Junius, let's talk about um, how, how this all is brought to bear um, on day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a, a kind of a difficult concept here, um, and, but I'll, I'll lead into it simply, which is to say this. The imagination has at least two ways in which it can transform how we encounter um, the experiences of daily life, whether those experiences be the joys and graces of God or whether they be the, the trials and sufferings and difficulties that we come across, or even whether they be um, the consequences of our own sin and the ways in which we hurt others and hurt ourselves. And those two ways are, are basically this. One is the imagination has the power to transform how we view the moment that we're in, how we view the world around us. And it has the power to transform how we view what's possible for us to do in that moment. And so where, where this gets a little bit 
tricky. As I've said, the imagination is about possibility, right? It gets tricky because the the actual things around us, the things that are not just possible but in fact real, in fact actual, those things are constantly um, – constantly changing and they're constantly on the edge of becoming something different. And every decision we make and even the smallest decisions we make are constantly changing reality down different paths and making new possibilities real and ruling out other possibilities. Um, the, 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 the actual is embraced in the possible in such a way that it's not really actually possible to make a clear distinction between where one ends and the other begins. Um, I believe God can make that distinction, but we can't because we're constantly – we're the crisis point in reality where the one slips over to being the other. We're so busy creating actualities that it's hard for us to notice all the ways in which we're bumping up against possibilities. Um, so as it were, we kind of have this laser focus on that moment of decision for us when we're changing the things that we know into the things that we want, when we're making choices that we're aware of, um, and that tends to mask our ability to see the choices that we're making that we're not aware of and also to see other paths that we can take. What I think the imagination can do in the life of a human being is it can expand that focus a bit so that more is in our field of view than just the particular choices in front of us in that moment. Um, I'm, I'm brought in to speak in a lot of different places, and one of the things that people um, are as attracted to about me coming in is that they have a problem in their, in their organization or they have a problem in the way of thinking about something, and they've been kind of stuck for a while. And often I can come in and I can see a different way to think about that problem that gets them unstuck. And I think that's really where the imagination is, is showing its, its true power is the kind of despair and a kind of stagnation that comes with a certainty that only a few possible outcomes are on the table and none of them are perhaps ones that we're particularly excited about. The imagination enters in there to help us imagine broader ways to interact with our world, broader ways to be a faithful disciple in the world because we begin to see other possibilities that God has providentially built into those moments. Okay, so you have helped me um, see something uh, or give language to something uh, that is true about me. I have described myself as an ideator. Like I have to, mm. I have to stop myself sometimes in conversations because I'm I realize I'm just overwhelming another person with all of the options and possibilities of, of things that they might do or ways they might go or, you know, right? And sometimes they're deer in the headlights. Um, other times it, it is. There is this liberating uh, – you can actually see it. You can see somebody yeah. be liberated from sort of the shackles of um, they, they feel trapped or, or as if there's only one path. They're in a rut. Um, and you can just say, you know, you know, a rut is just one one line in a in a giant field. Like, right? You've got other. Yeah. There are other options here. Um, there are other routes you could yeah. take. Um, and so, for those of us who are ideators, um, we we experience this. Like, sort of comes almost naturally to us. Um, mm-hmm. And and yet, I I know that there are a lot of people listening right now who are wondering what's the first step to take in opening in changing the way I think, because that's really what you're talking about. It's it's one thing for me to ask, like, what's on your mind? What are you thinking yeah. about? It's another thing for me to say, how are you thinking about what you're thinking about? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it, and that's always so difficult to, because it's, your thinking is largely invisible to you. And so you're not right. even aware of how it happens. You're just doing it, right? And even 
how do you think about thinking differently when you're going to think the way that you think, right? Uh, I think there's a couple of really simple things one can do to begin to take control of that thought process of thinking and, and bring it under more intentionality. The first one is to wait. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the scriptures is when the Israelites are coming to the Red Sea and they see that they're blocked and the Egyptian army is bearing down on them and they just lose it. They completely panic. This is the end. Oh my gosh, we cannot have to die. This is horrible. And Moses says to them something that I think is so powerful. He says, if you would only stand still, you'll see the salvation of God. Right? God is waiting to do something that people will talk about until the end of the world. But he's just waiting for you to be quiet for a moment. <laughs> In that moment, the Israelites didn't see any possibilities. They saw certainty. They knew the world is this way, and what that way is, is us all being slaughtered by the Egyptian army and by the shores of the sea. God had another way. God brought them there specifically for another way. They were on the verge of one of the great deeds in all of history, but they were about to miss it because they were so busy fretting about what they knew was possible. Right. So one of the first things we can do is when we're faced with these situations that are urgent, um, that push us to try to make a decision before we're ready, before we've had time to really lay it before the Lord in prayer, before we've had time to seek godly counsel, before we've had time to dive into the scriptures, to, to be patient, um, to set aside our sense of what we know will happen if we don't make a decision quickly and dwell on the space of what might happen if we trust in the Lord to give us his answer in his time. Right. Oh, it's I never it's never worthwhile to move because you think there's not time for God to answer and he hasn't answered yet. If God hasn't answered yet, there's still time for God to answer because his answer will never be late. And so that's I think one of the first things we can do. Another really important piece of this is to begin asking yourself questions about why you're certain of certain things. And this is not to become a skeptic. This is not to say, Oh, I don't really know anything, I'm not certain of anything. Rather it's to say I'm, I'm sure that if we do this, this is going to happen. Why am I sure of that? What's that grounded in? And sometimes the answer will be something very solid. Well, that's because Jesus says, if you act this way, you can expect this sort of outcome. Okay, and we can have confidence about that. But sometimes it's, well, I mean, that's what's always happened. That's, that's what every human, you know, that's what we know happens when you do these things. Okay, so the good follow-up question will be, is this a place where the power of God wants to do something that we wouldn't expect in a human sense? Is this a place where God's Holy Spirit wants to come to bear to do something miraculous? I think those are some small first steps that can help us to recognize the ruts because you can't get out of the ruts until you can see where they are. So you can then step out of that place and start exploring that field a little more. I just love it. All right. Uh, if you are interested in continuing this conversation, learning more and applying uh, applying all of this in your own life, check out the Wisdom of Possibility course at JuniusJohnson.com. He's holding registration open till Friday for our listeners, which is just awfully gracious. Um, Junius, thank you as always for joining us today. This has been fun. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. JuniusJohnson.com. We'll be right back. Expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with God, all things are possible. I mean, we have just uh, walked through the season of Advent and the experience and the season of Christmas. Uh, We have waited with joyful expectation and hope that God would make good on his promise to send a Messiah who would redeem. Um, We have just celebrated uh, 
the the reality of a, of a young woman who, although the angel told her that something impossible was going to happen, she said, "Well, here I am. Let it be with me according to your word." That sounds crazy to me, but uh, okay, God. So let's be those people today. Let's be the, that sounds crazy to me, but okay, God, kind of people. Let's be people who expect God to be God, and let's uh, wait on him. Let's wait on him. His mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Reading assignments today, Philippians chapter 4, Romans chapter 8. Be in the Word of God today and then go out into the world that He so loves in ways that honor Jesus. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.